listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. The season of Advent is upon us, cutting the path towards our celebrations of the great Christmas feast. Yet, as we're reminded every year, we begin the season by cutting that path with a rather jagged edge, with words from the gospel that can seem jarring and difficult, particularly when we read them against the backdrop of the Santa Claus parade, canned Christmas music, and the daily offerings of TV Christmas specials. Did you know that tonight marked the beginning of the CBC TV holiday program schedule? They air both Toy Story 2 and Scrooged this evening. Jesus said to them, There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on earth distress among the nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. As N.T. Wright comments, welcome to Advent, a rich mix of politics, prophecy, prayer, and perseverance. Yes, politics. From this first Sunday of Advent right through to the fourth Sunday in this season, on which we will consider the story not only of the Annunciation, but also hear Mary's song, the Magnificat. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. You can't bracket off politics. The idea that religion and politics must be kept separate is a very modern notion one that would have stunned these biblical writers. Like us, they lived in a world that is political, and therefore faith must be proclaimed and lived and practiced in the midst of some very political realities. So what is Jesus talking about with these words about signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, the powers of the heavens being shaken? the need to be alert. And what was it about these words that was so striking that they were remembered and then retold and passed down and finally, 40 or 50 years after they were first uttered, recorded in written form by writers like Luke? What was he saying and why did it so catch them? It was just two weeks ago that we had a very similar text from the gospel according to Mark. That night I made the observation that a big part of what was in view for Mark was an impending political and military crisis in Jerusalem. Had we started tonight's reading just a few verses earlier, you'd have seen that something of the same is at work for Luke. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. The difference between Mark and Luke, though, is that Mark was writing 
still in anticipation of the collapse, the fall of Jerusalem, the destruction of its temple by the Romans, Luke's gospel is actually written after that destruction had taken place. So that when Luke relays Jesus' words, truly I tell you this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place, he knows that to be true. And yet, for all of the earth-shaking events, earth-shaking, that's picture language, right? Not unlike a lot of this apocalyptic language, picture language sun and stars and moon and so forth, for all of the earth-shaking events that they'd experienced in their world, it's not as if Luke now imagines that it's an easy ride from here. Jerusalem's done, now it gets easy. After the emperor Nero committed suicide in the year 68, four other Roman emperors followed in quick succession. As N.T. Wright says, the much-vaunted Roman peace, that was the promise, Pax Romana, the much-vaunted Roman peace that Augustus and his successors claimed to have brought to the world was shattered from the inside. A convulsive shudder went through the whole known world. That fits these verses about the signs, the confusion, the fear Exactly. Bishop Wright talks about a convulsive shudder going through the known world. It's not the only time in history, though, that convulsive shudders have shot through. Now, I'm not going to go all apocalyptic on you here, at least not in that sort of stereotypical left-behind way, but these past weeks and months have found our own world shuddering in a very real way. Were you in Paris or in Belgium this past week or two? Were you in Syria any time in the last four years? Or in Iraq or Afghanistan over the past decade or two, your world would have been shuddering in convulsion, still is. Even at our relatively comfortable arm's length from all of these things, I know that particularly in light of the stories coming out of Paris and Belgium, many of us have felt kind of the reverberations of the shuddering, right? Now, trace back, go further back. Imagine the shudders that were experienced as the Roman Empire itself collapsed in the late 400s, and every known assumption was up for grabs. Or the shudders that accompanied the plague, the Black Death that ravaged Europe in the mid-1300s. Or the Reign of Terror as it gripped France after the onset of the French Revolution. The French Revolution was supposed to be about freedom, And yet, its first manifestation was the reign of terror. Or imagine the shudders that shot through. Some here have memories, maybe childhood memories, when the Allied nations realized that they were at risk, very real risk of defeat 
at the hands of Nazi Germany, or when the bombs fell on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Imagine how Christians in each of those circumstances would have heard these words from the gospel according to Luke on the earth, distress among the nations. Now as Luke recalls the words of Jesus, he clearly sees things stretching beyond specific political events beyond any one political or military crisis, including the crisis in the collapse of Jerusalem. He was seeing beyond that to something more ultimate that lay on the horizon, the coming of the Son of Man, something that would complete all things. The language associated with the coming are strong. Be on guard. Be alert. Pray for strength. Every Sunday, in the context of the Lord's Prayer, we, we, we say, thy kingdom come. And it kind of rolls off our tongues very easily, habitually. Perhaps thy kingdom come is a prayer that actually cries out for some vigilance, readiness, alertness, and watchfulness. It, it is if we hear the words in tonight's gospel as pointing at something very real, very much promised, very much on the horizon, God's kingdom come isn't sort of about, you know, a bunch of daisies and dandelions and kumbaya choruses. There is an urgency in these texts. But there's also hope and trust Hope and trust are good Advent words, good Advent postures, because Luke also offers these bold words from Jesus. Stand up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And alongside of the gospel text, we read this from Jeremiah. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Now, Jeremiah was nobody's fool. Jeremiah was writing in a time of earth-shaking, convulsive shudders in his world, telling a displaced and battered and broken people that there was yet for them a future, that out of the root of the Jesse tree, God would indeed set his people free. It was near impossible to believe it, given all that the Jews had endured under the Babylonian Empire. But I suppose there's some days when it's near impossible for us to believe that our own battered world has much of a future. And yet, as the biblical scholar David Lose reminds us, we live, according to Luke, between the two great poles of God's intervention in the world, the coming of Christ in the flesh and his triumph over death, and the coming of Christ in his glory at the end of time, and his triumph over all the powers of earth and heaven. Though fraught with tension, 
Los continues, this in-between time is nevertheless also characterized by hope. We are therefore free to struggle, to wait, to work, to witness, indeed to live and to die with hope because we know the end of the story. We know the end of the story, or at least we've heard the promise that God is not yet finished with our world. God has not yet thrown in the towel on us or on the whole of creation, but is rather drawing us and the whole of creation to a promised future that we can only barely begin to imagine. But imagine it we must, on our feet, with our heads raised, because our redemption is drawing near, yet and again and always our redemption is drawing near. Welcome to Advent, N.T. Wright commented, a rich mix of politics, prophecy, prayer, and perseverance, to which I will add the words hope and trust and imagination. Our jagged-edged path to Christmas has now begun. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For more information on the church or to offer your support for our ministries, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca.